Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. This week's case is almost too unbelievable to be real, but yet here we are. Come hang out with me while I talk true crime. In 2011, Betsy Faria had no idea she was going to be brutally murdered after her chemotherapy appointment. Just 10 months later, on October 31st, an elderly woman named Shirley Newman is found to have fallen from her balcony with eight times the recommended dose of Ambien in her system. At first, this was labeled an accident. Then, a few years later, a man who appeared to be a home invader is shot dead in a woman's home. This man's name was Louis Gumpenberger, and it was his death that opened a big old can of worms. Is it possible all these deaths are related? Was there one thing in common in all these deaths? Let's have a look. The year 2000 was an exciting year for Betsy and Russ Faria. They had just gotten married and were automatically a family of four since Betsy came with two beautiful daughters from a previous relationship. They moved to a town in Missouri called Troy. Nobody could have ever predicted the nightmare that was going to unfold in 2011. Unfortunately, Betsy was diagnosed with cancer in 2010, and she underwent a procedure to save her life. But a year later, cancer was found again in her liver. Things were looking dark for Betsy. She was given three to five years to live, and she kept fighting. Her and Russ were having ups and downs in their in their marriage, but this terrible time brought them back together. He wanted to be there for Betsy and help her any way he could. No matter the issues they had faced previously, he still loved her. It seemed Betsy not only had the support of her, of her loving husband, but also she had her best friend, 52-year-old Pam Hupp, to lean on. Betsy and Pam had worked together at State Farm Insurance and became close when Betsy had fallen ill. Pam would give Betsy rides, she would sit by Betsy during chemotherapy appointments, and when things were really hard and Betsy didn't want to see anyone aside from her close family, she would always make an exception for Pam. This seemed like a really close friendship, the kind everyone hopes to have but so few get. December 27th, 2011, Betsy had a chemotherapy appointment and then went to visit her mother. She had planned to either spend the night at her mother's or have her husband, Russ, give her a ride home later in the evening. But her good friend Pam ended up dropping by and picking up Betsy from her mother's place to give her a ride home. Betsy was dropped off at home by Pam at 7 p.m. that evening. Pam later testifies she dropped Betsy off and left immediately. It didn't go inside, so she did not go inside. Ross, he had left earlier that evening, and by 5.30, he was out at a friend's house watching movies a half hour away, and he hadn't made it back yet. This was a, a weekly games night he did with his friends. It was like games and movies, drinks, smoke some weed, you know, chill, chill time. At 7.20, Pam texted Betsy's phone, and it was one word. It read home. This would appear she was telling her friend that she had made it home safe. At 7.21, Betsy's daughter tried to 
to call her mother, but nobody answered. At 9 p.m., Russ left his friend's place, stopped at Arby's for dinner, and made it home by 9.40. When Russ got home, he walked in a scene nobody should ever have to see. Previously, Betsy, she, you know, she had been having a hard time battling cancer, cancer treatments, being sick all the time, and she felt terrible that she was putting her family through the hardship of, of her dying. She even told Russ it would be better off if she were dead. So when Russ came home that night and he saw his wife covered in blood, wrists slit and laying on the floor motionless, he made the heartbreaking assumption she had killed herself. And he frantically calls 911 in hopes emergency services can come and maybe save her. He tells 911 operators that he thinks his wife had killed herself. And this 911 call, it is really hard to listen to. Russ is clearly upset. He's crying. He's frantic, as to be expected in this situation. Within 10 minutes, the paramedic and police get there. And it was clear this was not a suicide. It was impossible Betsy had inflicted these injuries on herself. This does get graphic. So this is a warning for you right now. If you don't want to hear what paramedics and police found at the scene, I recommend skipping ahead about two minutes or right now. Betsy had multiple stab wounds, 55 total. There was a knife lodged in her neck and another knife under a pillow near her body. Her wrists had been cut so severely that they were sliced to the bone. Uh, a paramedic said the blood surrounding Betsy's body appeared to be dark and thick in color and consistency, meaning it had been there for a while. And he even documented this in a report. The fire department was also sent to the scene and the fire captain said Betsy's body was cold and stiff. He estimated she had been dead for around two hours. The fire lieutenant, he estimated 30 minutes. The ambulance supervisor agreed rigor mortis had indeed set in and that Betsy had been dead for quite some time. Later during an autopsy, the medical examiner would also agree with the ambulance supervisor and said it would appear when Betsy's body was seen at 9.50 p.m. the night of her murder, she would have been dead for up to two to four hours, placing her time of death around 7 p.m. It was clear by the injuries on Betsy's body that she had not killed herself. Russ is looking very suspicious to police because on the, on the 911 call, he told them his wife had killed herself, but the scene was clearly not a suicide. And they thought for some reason he should have known this. I mean, he's not a doctor. He's not a paramedic. He has, I don't know why they thought he should have known this, um, but they, they thought he should have known this. And by him saying it was suicide, he was trying to cover something up. They also say his agitated emotional state he was in during all of this was suspicious. That's That sounded really strange to me because, yeah, he's going to be agitated and emotional. There is something absolutely horrible happening. That night at 11 p.m., Russ is taken to the police station where he undergoes a 10 and a half hour interview. Russ had none of Betsy's DNA found under his fingernails. He had none of her DNA on him at all. The scene did not appear to be cleaned up. And it sounds like Russ was not even covered in his wife's blood. He had no blood on him. And I mean, that's, it's, if, it is to be expected that he would be covered in blood if he had something to do with this brutal murder. 
He tells police he left his home at 5 p.m., stopped at a gas station, which he had a receipt for, and was seen on camera. Then he stopped somewhere else and he bought cigarettes. Then he stopped somewhere else to buy dog food. And then later near his friend's house, he stopped to buy two iced teas and was also seen on camera. Then by 6 p.m., he was at his friend's house a half hour away where he smoked some weed and watched some movies and had a game night. Upon leaving there at 9 p.m., he stopped at Arby's at 9.09 and bought dinner, which he also had a receipt for and was also seen on camera. And then he drove the 30-minute or so journey home. He unloaded the bag of dog food from the back of his vehicle. Uh, he, He brought that bag inside, just inside of the door. And that's when he found Betsy and called 911. All of this is backed up by receipts and camera footage, and police still suspect him. When a search of the home was conducted, there was a pair of Russ's slippers found in the closet with Betsy's blood on them. So police, they want to talk to Pam. They want to talk to Betsy's best friend to kind of get a look into... Betsy and Russ's relationship. Pam tells police that Russ has a violent temper and that he drinks a lot. Uh, She also says he used to threaten Betsy and even put a pillow over Betsy's face as a joke as if to like smother her um, and say something like this is what it will be like when you die. This is Pam saying this. So when police search Betsy's laptop as to Pam's request, they Betsy or Pam was like, hey, why don't you guys search Betsy's laptop I bet you'll find something on there um and lo and behold they did um they find a letter typed by an unknown author that was presumably Betsy writing that she is scared of her husband and that she's scared that he's gonna kill her and this letter was written on a program that was not installed on that computer so I'm not sure how they think it got written and then put on there but it was on there and Pam said that Betsy wanted to leave Russ and that's probably why he killed her. January 4th 2012 which was only days after Betsy's funeral Russ was arrested at his parents home for the murder of his wife. He was charged with first degree murder and armed criminal action. His bail was set at quarter of a million dollars which he could not pay so he had no choice but to sit in jail awaiting his trial but what was his motive was it the classic life insurance story couldn't possibly be because days before betsy was murdered her life insurance policy had been changed the recipient of the one hundred and fifty thousand dollars wasn't going to russ it was going to pam hupp betsy's best friend The records of the life insurance policy was changed on December 22nd, just five days before Betsy died. According to Russ, Pam was the last person to see Betsy alive. But according to police, Russ was the last person to see Betsy alive. The trial begins in 2013, over one year since Russ has been arrested. The medical examiner places the time of death between 7.20 and 9.20 p.m., December 27th. Russ's defense 
had more than enough evidence that Russ was not at home when Betsy was killed. Four of Russ's friends testified in court that he was with them at games night and watching movies. And also, to back that up, Russ's cell phone records proved he was 20 miles away that night around the time of the murder. Not only that, but he was seen on cameras in some places that he had stopped at, and he had the receipts, and those receipts had times on them. That was Everything was confirmed that he was not there. So according to all this evidence, it was clear Russ was not there when Betsy was murdered. If I was on this defense team, I would be confident that this was going to be an easy win. But the prosecution, they had a theory of their own. They argue Russ didn't know Betsy changed her life insurance policy less than a week before she was killed. And also that Russ's friends they were in on it and they held Russ's phone for him that night while Russ went home to kill his wife. They argued that it wasn't Russ on the cameras at those stores making those purchases. Instead, it was his friends disguised as him, like some kind of elaborate murder plot you would see in a movie. So I gotta say, these prosecutors, they were really, um, they were working overtime. Pam testified in court that Betsy changed her life insurance policy to ensure the money would eventually go to Betsy's children. And she wanted Pam to make sure that this is where it was going to end up. We will talk more about what happened to this money a bit later because things get very messy as Pam later claims Betsy wanted Pam to have all the money. Something else happened involving a conversation about this money, but it didn't happen in court. It happened when Pam was speaking to a chief detective seven months after Betsy's death. According to an article published by Fox 2 Now, Pam told this detective that, quote, she didn't need Betsy's money. My mom is worth $500,000 that I get when she dies, unquote. And you're going to want to remember that quote. Remember she said this. I will give the, okay, back to the prosecution though. I will give the prosecution credit to um, their wild imagination here for the trial. But personally, I don't think there is any way that that many people could keep a secret. Like all of Russ's friends are in on this. Nobody talked, nobody said anything, and there's no evidence to kind of get them to trip up or, or prove this story to be wrong. What the prosecution was saying, I don't buy it. But people did. Russ's defense was not allowed to point the finger at Pam during this trial, but you would think a jury would question the evidence. For example, Pam's cell phone records show that she was in Betsy's home for 30 minutes after she dropped her off. But Pam said she left immediately, so why was why was her phone there at Betsy's until 7.30 if she dropped her off at 7 p.m.? Also, the change in the life insurance policy. You would think a jury would see this and start asking some questions. There was some evidence that was left out of this trial. According to witnesses, Pam had stopped by Betsy's chemotherapy appointment to see if she wanted a ride home. But Betsy refused because she had a ride to her mother's house after already. Then later Pam stopped by Betsy's mother's house to see if she wanted a ride home. But Betsy was already going to be picked up by Russ after his game night with friends. But since Pam was there already and really wanted to give Betsy a ride home, Betsy, she just accepted this ride. So this seems kind of strange, yet it was not brought up in court. 
Even though Ross had a mountain of evidence proving he was not there at the time of Betsy's death and he had no blood on him or any signs he had been in a struggle with anyone uh, and he had none of Betsy's DNA under his fingernails, he was still found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years, no parole. One month before Ross is sentenced for the murder of Betsy, Pam Hupp's mother, Shirley Newman, dies in a horrific accident. On October 30th, 2013, Pam Hupp drops her mother off at an assisted living facility where Shirley lives. When leaving, Pam tells the medical staff not to bother her mother for dinner or breakfast as her mother's not feeling well, so they don't. The next day, on Halloween of all days, a member of staff makes a terrifying discovery. They find Shirley's body outside her apartment on the ground. It appeared as Shirley had fallen through her balcony railing and plummeted to her death. Shirley's apartment was entered by staff and the water was found to be left running. So they go into Shirley's apartment, water's running, the balcony doors wide open, and the aluminum rail that is around the balcony it's broken and it's broken in a very peculiar way it's not like it had just like fallen off but the bars that run vertically it looks like they've almost been kicked open or like kicked off and the railing itself like the top railing it's still there so this I just found this extremely peculiar how this railing was broken it was not broken in the way that I thought it was going to be broken like it came loose and somebody leaned on it and then they they fell no it was so strange the cause of death was found to be blunt force trauma to her chest presumably from her fall the autopsy also revealed she had eight times the required dose of Ambien in her system I have never taken Ambien, but I have heard it can like have really crazy side effects uh, and sleepwalking could possibly be one of those side effects. So maybe this is what they're thinking happened, but this just seems odd and the death is ruled an accident. So this is, I found this really strange because Pam told that detective, why would I need to kill Betsy for her life insurance money when I have life insurance money that I'm going to get when my mother dies? And then I think it was like three months later, her mother dies in this horrific accident. So I guess Pam is going to receive another insurance payout. Pam, she must be the unluckiest person in the world because coincidentally she's the last person to see two people in two years alive right before they die not to mention those two people had named her a beneficiary on their life insurance policies (laughs) this is oh my goodness okay Remember, Pam was supposed to give Betsy's life insurance to Betsy's daughters as per Betsy's request, right? Well, that never happened. And Pam changed her story to say that Betsy wanted Pam to have the money, not her daughters. And this led to a civil lawsuit in 2014 between Betsy's daughters and Pam Hupp. Pam Hupp testified in court during Russ's trial that Betsy made her the beneficiary to ensure Betsy's daughter got the money. Now Pam is saying, oh wait, actually, no, that's not true. This is my money and I'm keeping it. Well, Pammy, if that's not true, then that means she testified in court and it was a big fat lie. 
Pam had also said that actually she didn't just drop off Betsy that night and leave. She is now saying she may have went inside, which police already knew because of the cell phone records. All these inconsistencies started to pop up. And this was good for Russ because he's granted a retrial in November of 2015. All this new information, it needs to be brought forward because the court needs to reassess if Russ is actually guilty. You've got all this new stuff happening. They can't even believe the woman who testified against Russ now because she's saying different things all of a sudden. This time, there is no jury. It is brought before a judge. Pam did not testify at this one, but don't worry because detectives were there to testify about all the contradictory pieces in her story. And it must have been pretty compelling because Russ was acquitted of all charges. He was a free man after being wrongfully imprisoned for nearly four years and having everybody point their finger at him saying, you brutally murdered your wife, you sick son of a bitch. Well, she was weak and dying from chemotherapy. But guess what? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. In July of 2016, Russ sued the prosecutor and three deputy sheriffs in a federal civil rights lawsuit. But something else was happening in 2016. One month after Russ launched his lawsuit, Pam found herself in the middle of a bloodbath, this time at her own home. So I'm going to play you a 911 call usually I don't play 911 calls but this one is like hearing a Brenda in the wild (laughs) if you don't know what a Brenda is then I will refer you to my previous episode where I explain that or better yet listen to the origin of the story episode 24 where I cover one of the world's most poorly planned murders by a woman named Brenda so now every time I refer to somebody being a Brenda or having a Brenda moment it's basically a stupid criminal so this is the call. I'm going to play it now for you. 911, where's your emergency? Hey, hello, there's someone breaking in my house. Help. What's Help. the address you're at? Hello. Will you see me getting in your wife? No, I'm not getting in the car with you. No, get wait, wait. Address. Get out, get out, get out. Help. Ma'am, what's the address you're at? Uh, help. Help. I have somebody breaking in here. Hello? Help! Help! Ma'am, can you hear me? Help! What's the address we're at? So that was the call. Um, I did edit out 
some like chunks of silence and stuff just to condense that, uh, just to condense that. I don't know about you, but I do not believe those cries for help. I mean, it sounds like help, 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 help. That is not how somebody frantic is going to sound. I don't know. I just did not buy that call at all. So when police arrive on the scene, they see Louis Gumpenberger dead on the floor in Pam's home with five bullet wounds to his body. They find $900 of cash and a very odd note in Lewis's pocket. The note reads like this weird to-do list, all involving kidnapping Pam, getting her to take money out from the bank, and then killing her and leaving a knife lodged in her neck. If you remember, Betsy was found with a knife lodged in her neck, so all signs are pointing to Russ at this point. According to Pam, the man who attacked her in her home with the knife was yelling about getting Russ's money, but something seems really fishy. Pam goes to the police station and spins her hard-to-believe tale, claiming that she was in her driveway in her SUV when two men pulled up in a car. One of the men jumped out and got into the front passenger side of her SUV with a knife. While the other guy stayed in the car, the man who jumped in her car, she said, was the man that was now dead on the floor of her home, which we know is Louis Gumpenberger. Pam said Louis was yelling at her to drive to the bank and get Russ's money and that he was going to kill her. She claimed to have gotten away by heroically and skillfully getting the knife out of the man's hand. And that's when she ran inside her home. But the man, he ran after her, still yelling about getting Russ's money and killing her. She said she made it into her bedroom and that's when she called 911 and armed herself with a gun she kept beside her bed in a nightstand. She said Lewis threw open her bedroom door and that's when she fired shots into him to defend herself. Wow, what a crazy afternoon. But something something doesn't seem right about this and police are pretty quick to put it together. Roughly five years previously to this day, Lewis, he had been in a really bad car accident that left him physically and mentally disabled. Police believe he would not have the capabilities to do what Pam is saying he did. Then police locate a report about a woman matching Pam's description trying to lure an individual to her home, saying that the woman who looked like Pam, and get this, this is where things get really wild, The woman who looked like Pam was posing as a host named Kathy from the show Dateline. (laughs) And she was looking to pay an actor to recreate a story. The individual who made the report was female and said that it was really weird and she thought and she thought something sinister might be happening and she never took the bait. She never accepted this job for this person to um, yeah she never took the job there was also another person who came forward with the same story security footage was looked at and pam's car was seen in the footage being driven by this dateline host named kathy who looked an awful lot like pam so pam 
she was driving around pretending to be a dateline host named kathy should have been brenda should have called herself fucking brenda and um she was trying to lure people to her home to shoot and kill them and stage a scene incriminating russ what the fuck is happening here so police they believe that she was doing this now that russ was free because betsy's murder it was reopened and Pam was suspect number one. They had nobody. They knew Betsy had been murdered, but they had nobody They had nobody in prison for this yet. So by pulling this disgusting stunt, she wanted to make Russ look guilty. Again. Again. Ruthless. Absolutely. This is a ruthless Brenda, everybody, by the name of Pam. Now, for the knife found at the scene in Lewis's hand, this is the one she claims Lewis threatened her with. That knife was purchased by Pam from a dollar store. That's weird. <laughs> There's, we're going to talk about quite a few weird things now. The weird to-do list about getting the money and killing Pam that was found in Lewis's pocket was found to be written on paper from a pad of paper from Pam's home. <laughs> okay. Okay, the $900 found in Lewis's pocket was also found to be linked to Pam, meaning police believe Pam planted those things on Lewis's body after she killed him and before police arrived. Then there's Pam's cell phone records. Again, with the cell phone records. All right, Pam learned nothing. Pam's cell phone was in Lewis's neighborhood near his home an hour before the attack took place. But Pam... She didn't know Lewis. She told police, I don't know him. I don't I have no idea who this man is. Um so that's what a coincidence that she was literally at his front door an hour before this attack in a neighborhood that she never goes to and she claims she doesn't know him. So okay. Wow. I just she's a lot. This woman, she's a lot to deal with. So she actually lured a disabled man into her home, shot him to death and then planted evidence on him in an attempt to set up an innocent man, meaning Ross, for hiring a hitman. She is so fucked up. She is so ethically and morally corrupt. Oh, she's a real piece of work, this one. Why didn't, you know, instead of pursuing this life where all she does is cause people grief and pain, why didn't she just write crime fiction? Because she sure has a hell of an imagination. Well, you never know. She's not dead, but she'll have lots of time for writing for where she's going. In her taped police interview, it is clear she is lying. She is making herself look like this superhero woman who took on a bad guy and won. And I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. Just look at look at our queen, Susan Walters. She, I don't know, maybe roughly around the same age Pam is at this time, maybe same physical shape. And Susan Walters, she strangled a motherfucker. So I'm not saying this can't happen, but Pam, she's really making herself sound like this like heroic superwoman in her interview. It's so over the top and she is giving so much detail that you just know she's lying. She's being very specific, very detail orientated, which is kind of strange for somebody in like a panicky high stress situation she's like remembering everything that was said she's remembering the thoughts that were going through her head she's remembering everything so that's why I was like "Mm, I don't know this is a bit too specific but she thinks she's doing such a good job (laughs) 
(laughs) She thinks she's fooling all these police officers again and getting away with it. And she also thinks she's getting away with, you know, setting up Russ to look like a bad guy again. That she just loves doing this. But uh, police don't buy her bullshit this time. August 23rd, 2016, police arrest and charge Pam with the same thing Russ was charged and arrested for over four years previous. That's right, first-degree murder and armed criminal action, but for Lewis Gumpenberger's murder, not Betsy's murder. Not yet, anyways. This won't be the last time Pam hears these charges brought against her. While in police custody, Pam steals a pen from the interrogation room, and she has to go to the bathroom. Once in the bathroom alone, she stabs herself in the neck and wrist multiple times. She's like, bang, 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 like stabbing this pen into her wrist and her throat, just like going ham on herself. And she's leaving a hell of a mess, I'll tell you that. But you know what? She failed to kill herself. She didn't kill herself, but there was blood everywhere listening to this woman's voice and bullshit is so infuriating she is like a karen on steroids and she looks like one too even has the damn haircut i'm not even lying i shit you not she even has the haircut to match she is the type of person who walks into a store or cafe or restaurant or whatever People just know their day is going to get worse just by her being there. She is a bullshit starter through and through. She loves the bullshit. She loves the drama. She loves being this cruel, vile, evil, ugly human being. This is her existence. This is what she lives for. Then when she is faced with all the evidence and she can no longer bullshit her way out, she tries to turn herself into a pen holder. What the fuck? She is such a coward and just, oh, she just, I I get a stomach ache thinking about having to deal with this woman. Like, she is just so gross on every level. In January of 2017, Pam has the audacity to plead not guilty. She really wants to waste the court's time, I guess. The prosecutors, they go full out on her and they tell her, okay, you can for sure plead not guilty. But when this goes to court, we are seeking the death penalty because of Lewis's disabilities. The fact that Pam targeted a mentally and physically disabled person to carry out her sick crime on was just too appalling to let to let go. And anything less than a death sentence just didn't seem fair at this point. So they were shooting for death because... Oh man, what she did was just absolutely disgusting. She took advantage of somebody's disabilities to basically frame an innocent man. So it's just like, where does it end with you? Where is your moral compass? You obviously don't have one, Pam. It doesn't necessarily mean that she is going to get the lethal injection, But um, what it does mean is that she will have no chance of parole. But I don't see Pam Sweet talking her way out of prison anyhow. Um, You can kind of just tell she's a not a good person. (laughs) This same year, Shirley Newman, a.k.a. Pam's mother, who fell off her balcony and was found on Halloween dead, was no longer labeled as an accident. This had been changed, and there was now an ongoing investigation into her death. The trial for the murder of Louis Gumpenberger was set for 2019. Before that trial could happen, 
Pam ended up taking an Alford plea. I had never heard of this before. I have heard of plea deals. I'm sure we all have. But this, I was like, what, what is this? What the fuck is this? Basically, it means the evidence was so stacked against her and the prosecution did such a good job and even allowed Betsy's unsolved murder to be brought up in the trial, in the, in the court for when Lewis Gumpenberger's um, murder was being looked at and Pam was being charged for first degree murder. They had even allowed Betsy's unsolved murder to be brought up in it, which can be kind of hard if sometimes a judge might not allow that because there's just not a lot of evidence to bring the two together, but apparently there was. So that is a, that's, that's huge. That, that speaks volumes. And Pam, she realized there was no way out and she was gonna fry. So instead of pleading guilty and taking responsibility for her actions like a half-decent person, she decided to pull this Alford plea. She did tell her husband she did it to save her children from witnessing her trial, but I don't believe that. Pam doesn't think of anybody but herself ever. I did look up the definition of Alford plea and according to Wikipedia, this is the definition. Quote, the Alford plea is a guilty plea in criminal court whereby a defendant in a criminal case does not admit to the criminal act and asserts innocence, but admits that the evidence presented by the prosecution would be likely to persuade a judge or jury to find the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So, unquote. So she's not saying she's guilty, which is just wild to me. So she's not pleading guilty. She's not saying, hey guys, I'm guilty, but she's saying, ooh, okay, you guys have a lot of evidence against me. I'm going to take this plea and I guess I'm going to do my time, but I will never admit that I'm guilty. So I don't know. By doing this, she received life in prison with no parole instead of the death penalty. So again, kind of kind of like a regular old plea deal, except not admitting guilt. In 2021, Pam was charged again with first-degree murder for Betsy Faria's murder from 2011, and it's been reported the prosecutors will again be seeking the death penalty for her. According to NBC News, at a press conference in 2011, prosecutor Mike Wood stated this, Quote, what I can say is that we have a person who not only murdered her friend, then mutilated the body, staged the scene, testified against an innocent man, and then once he was acquitted, went and murdered someone in St. Charles County to prevent herself from being considered a suspect. I can't pick a case more depraved than that, unquote. The prosecutor believes Pam stalked Betsy that day of her chemotherapy appointment and her and at her mother's house to convince Betsy to accept a ride home with her. Once home, Pam waited for Betsy to lay down on the couch. Betsy would have been weak. She would have been feeling sick from her treatment that day. And that's when Pam attacked Betsy with a knife and murdered her so that Pam could collect the life insurance money. It's believed that Pam attacked Betsy with the first knife that became stuck in Betsy's neck. And then Pam went and got a second knife to finish what she started. Then she used Betsy's own sock to drag through the blood and onto Russ's slippers to paint the picture that it was Russ and there was a scuffle and there was a fight. They also think that Pam became so involved in Betsy's life, 
only when Betsy was diagnosed with cancer because she was planning this from the fucking beginning. She never wanted to support Betsy or be her friend. She just wanted a payout and she was willing to steal it from Betsy's own children. Man, this woman. She's like an evil, 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 evil Brenda. She's so much more evil than a regular Brenda. I believe this trial is still ongoing. And as of now, Pam Hupp is in prison for the murder of Louis Gumpenberger and awaiting trial for the murder of Betsy Faria. Her mother's death is still being investigated. So, you know, it's not classified as an accident anymore. It is being investigated. So it's possible that one day someone, not saying who, may be charged with the murder of Shirley Newman. That is still ongoing. Louis Gumpenberger's mother sued Pam Hupp in a wrongful death suit and was awarded $3 million, which Pam has to pay. Any money Pam makes in prison or receives in prison, a portion legally goes to Louis's mother. So pay up, Pammy. Unfortunately, prison doesn't pay too well. She has not um, given the family the money, the $3 million. (laughs) As of what I could read, um, as of what I could find, they received less than $1,000 from her. So I don't know. Um, In 2021, Pam's husband divorced her for obvious reasons. I'm assuming it's because she's a horrible monster. Uh, Russ was awarded $2 million in his wrongful imprisonment lawsuit founded on the facts of fabricated evidence, the fact exonerating evidence was ignored, and that other suspects were failed to be looked at. (coughs) Pam. (laughs) The thing that was most salacious was that during Russ's trial, when he was found guilty, it came out that the prosecutor was involved romantically with one of the investigators. That's a big tiss tiss. That's a big no no. I guess love can be found anywhere, even in the middle of a brutal murder trial. Well, Russ, he also found love in a very unsuspecting place. Russ, as of 2021 and potentially still today, is in a loving relationship with the woman Pam Hupp tried to lure back to her home to murder an attempt to set up Russ. Mm-hmm. So before Lewis Gumpenberger was lured, Pam had tried to get that woman to go there. That's the woman who filed the report. Yep. So that's right. The woman who filed the report about a weird woman posing as a Dateline host, offering her money to be in a reenactment. This woman's name is Carol, by the way, and she helped to put Pam behind bars. So obviously Russ loves her loves her russ he's real happy he's got this love they both share this hate probably for pam (laughs) russ works in a motorcycle shop and he is thankful he has his freedom because wow did he come close to losing that forever he i mean he lost four years forever but and um he's really happy that he has someone to to share all this with who understands how evil pam is like you know carol she nearly escaped with her life as well carol and russ they make a really cute couple and i saw them in a video clip talking about sending pam a thank you card (laughs) for christmas for bringing them together and russ says he wonders uh what pam would think about that because she never wanted to do anything good and this made me laugh because 
Pam is this evil, vile, disgusting woman who tried to ruin Russ's life. She murdered a disabled man to try and frame Russ uh, when he did get out of prison. And she's been charged with murdering his wife. And she testified against Russ knowing he's innocent. For to her, so for her to know that Russ now has the love of his life because of her evilness and how he now has $2 million in his pocket because of her... Oh, that just must be torture for her. She tried to ruin this man's life. She tried to have him thrown him th- thrown in jail forever. And he ends up with $2 million and a, a partner who he absolutely loves. So I just, I really hope they did send her that card. <laughs> the crimes Pam Hupp committed were absolutely despicable, low, and disgusting. But the light at the end of the tunnel in this case is that good prevailed over evil and justice was served. Dateline NBC put out a podcast called The Thing About Pam. I didn't listen to it before doing this episode. I didn't, I wanted to do my own research and look at news articles and stuff like that. But I will listen to it after this actually. But they put out a podcast called The Thing About Pam and it's about this case. But there was also a uh, six-part kind of like a mini series with the same name called The Thing About Pam and Renee Zellweger actually plays Pam and what's interesting about this is that NBC Dateline did this and it was Pam who was pretending to be a Dateline host in order to lure in order to lure Lewis to her home when she shot him dead so this was another weird thing about this case that that happened that concludes this week's episode to pam hop i say hell no please follow rate review this podcast on whatever platform you are listening on it only takes a second please do it now um and i hope to see you give the hell no a true crime podcast instagram page a follow i hope to see you there thanks for listening and see you next week